Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kadiohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. It's hard to listen to people mock God and live their lives as though He didn't exist. It becomes harder when you see them succeeding in finances and fame. Doesn't God care, you ask? Doesn't He see? Well, listen to Pastor J.D.'s update today. It'll become obvious that God knows, and He's giving these people a chance to get right with Him. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on January 30th, 2022. Let's get to it. A lot to get to today. I want to talk with you today about what it is that we can do when we're at the end of our rope with all the evil that's happening in the world today. That's the good news. It's actually twofold. First, that there is something we can do. And secondly, and perhaps more importantly, prophetically, the good news is that all the wickedness and the evil in the world today Well, actually, it's an indication of just how close we are to the rapture of the church. And I'll explain to you how I get there and why that is. Now, while Jesus was speaking about His second coming in Matthew 24, a familiar chapter, I'm sure to most, this prophecy in Matthew 24 also applies to us, the church, even though it's addressed chiefly to Israel. But it applies to us prior to the seven-year tribulation as the church. It's in verse 22, Matthew 24. Let me read it. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Some of your translations render it, no flesh would survive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. The elect being Israel. In other words, had God not had this predetermined time to end it all, no flesh would have survived. Now, this prophecy from the Savior Himself, comports with other Bible prophecy that describes just how evil it will become at the time of the end. One such prophecy is in 2 Timothy, when the Apostle Paul in his second epistle writes, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Again, some of your translations render it perilous times. People 
will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love or natural affection, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Nineteen things here the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit lists that will mark, that will characterize the time of the end, this perilous evil that will come at the time of the end. The Apostle Peter in his second epistle, chapter 3. There's something here I want to point out in verses 3 and 4. We talk about this particular prophecy often in our prophecy updates, but I want to draw your attention to something that he says here. He says, above all, verse 3, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following, listen, their own evil desires. So these people that mock and scoff do so because they're following their own evil desires. Elsewhere we read that such people actually take great delight in the evil and the wickedness. And verse 4, we're told what they do and what they say in their mocking and scoffing. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Everybody thought the Lord was coming back in their lifetime. My grandfather's 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 dog. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just had to introduce some levity here. So these are just two prophecies among many that speak to this increase of evil. Here's where I'm going with this. The increase of evil in these perilous last days must come to pass for Jesus to come for us. Let me explain. Despite the perilous wickedness and evil that's leaving many Christians at the end of their rope, there's still hope. I'll take it a step further and suggest that it's when we come to the end of our rope that serves as the catalyst for that hope, because in that state you turn to the Lord as you would not otherwise do were it not for the evil and the wickedness. I want to share with you a true story about what one man did when he saw the evil in this world and it left him at the end of his rope. This man has long ago gone home to be with the Lord, but he was a godly man who loved the Lord, even served the Lord as a singer and songwriter and worship leader. However, he had a crisis of faith 
as it were. And this crisis of faith came when he saw all the evil and the wickedness seemingly prevailing and even prospering. He was so conflicted because it contradicted what he knew to be true about the goodness and the fairness of God. It just didn't fit. It didn't match up. It didn't reconcile. So much so that he actually started to envy the wicked when he saw them boasting and prospering. And if this weren't bad enough, they didn't seem to have the trials that others had, nor did they seem to suffer from the same plagues like others were. Then, to add insult to injury, they were so full of pride. And not only were they so full of pride, they were also very violent. They had become so wealthy that they had more than anyone could ever wish for, and would scoff and mock God's people who were oppressed. So he really struggled, especially with their lying tongues that had spread their propaganda throughout the entire world as they blasphemed God. Get this, they had the audacity to actually accuse God of being so blind and ignorant that they could do whatever they pleased and get away with it. It was for these reasons that this man of God came to the conclusion that his righteous and godly life was all in vain. It seemed as if every day and all day throughout the day he was plagued and even chastised by God while the wicked were living at ease and increasing in riches. Now, to his credit, he knew that in this state of mind, he should not share this with others, lest they be stumbled and fall as he himself was on the verge of. So he kept it to himself and thought about how to understand this and reconcile this, but in so doing he came to the end of his rope because it was just all too painful for him. His torment and turmoil continued until one day he went to church and he heard God's Word, which changed everything. He was then able to see the evil of man through the lens of eternity, and he came to his senses. And God settled his heart. God in His grace, as only He can, had shown him the horrific end of those perpetrators of evil, when God will have the final word. And it was so intense that he repents. And for the rest of his life, he recommitted his life to the Lord and proclaimed the goodness of the Lord. Some of you already know who, who this is. It's Asaph in Psalm 73, one of my favorite Psalms along with all the other 149 Psalms. But it's a true story about this man by the name of Asaph. 
I want to read the end of the psalm, beginning in verse 21, Psalm 73. He writes, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. And then he says this, verse 26, My flesh and my heart fail, but God. I love those two words. I love those two words. I love those two words. Did I tell you that I love those two words? (laughs) And so do you, right? Because it changes everything. Yeah, my flesh and my heart fail. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm barely hanging on. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. The Lord showed me a preview of coming attractions, and it's not good for you. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. The reason I wanted to start out this way is because, and I think you would agree with me when I say this, there are many asaphs in the world today with everything that's going on, who find themselves in this place at the end of their rope, a crisis of faith, if you will. And this for a number of reasons, chief of which is that the perpetrators of this unspeakable evil in the world today seemingly prevail with impunity. And unless and until we enter the sanctuary of the Lord, as we draw near to the Lord, We won't see their end in the end through the lens of eternity. And as such, we will never understand why it is that God allows the wicked to prosper. It's only when we hear the Word of God and draw near to God that we're then able to reconcile and understand all of this from an eternal perspective. And in so doing, and I've shared this in the past, I'm going to share it again, I think it's apropos, we'll go from being angry at them, or even in fear of them, to feeling sorry for them, which leads us to pray for God's mercy on them. You know, (laughs) I have to confess that 
Were it not for this one truth, I doubt very much that I would be standing here before you today, as is my privilege to do every week, is knowing that God's going to have the final word on this. And I realize that's kind of a dramatic statement to make, but here's the truth. Having an eternal perspective is our only hope in the days ahead. And that's not hyperbole. That's the truth. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to share with you what God has put on my heart, but I have to warn you that it is rather intense. It's, it's kind of hard. Please know that the whole point of doing so is to point us back to the Lord like Asaph, in order that we might see this evil through the lens of eternity. That's the only way. That's our only hope. That's the only way we're even going to begin to understand all that's happening right now in the world. If we don't, like Asif, look at all the evil that is taking place in the world today through the lens of eternity, <laughs> we're toast. How's that one? That's, that's the best I can do. So we're toast with a capital T, a capital toast too. Now, I want to share with you two emails from this week that we received. We actually, surprisingly actually, received many emails from many people all over the world, some of whom are local here. And I prayed about and picked these two particular emails because they are representative of the many emails that we received this week. So both of these emails not only are representative of all the emails, of which there were many, but both of these emails speak to the horrific evil of what's happening all over the world. Now, please keep in mind, by way of a preface before I read these, because they're very hard, <laughs> uh, very difficult, very intense, that the purpose, the point in doing this is to point us back to the Lord. Because again, the evil, as it waxes worse and worse, seemingly with each passing day, is that which propels us to the Lord. When we come to the end of our rope, we throw up our hands, we say, Lord, I can't do this. To which the Lord responds, I can. Would you let me? We have to come to the end of ourselves when the situation is so evil, so impossible. And I just picture the Lord, you'll forgive the way I illustrate this, but I just, I just picture the Lord, who by the way orchestrated it that way, so that you would. Because isn't it true that when it's still possible for me and you, <laughs> it's hands off to the Lord. Oh, JD's going to try in his own strength to figure this out and do this. Well, just let him. He'll come soon enough <laughs> when he's failed for the 128th time. I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for you. You're more spiritual than I am. But 
So I'm going to let him, because I'm not going to force myself on him, but he's going to come to the end of himself, and then he's going to come to me. And when he does, I'm going to do it. Because by the time he comes to me, it's going to be impossible for him. And that's when it's possible for me. Because when it's still possible for JD, it's not possible for me, because he's doing it instead of me. Again, I'm only speaking for myself, because you guys, I know you don't do this. You're very spiritual, godly people. We come to the end of ourselves. And the Lord just waits ever so patiently in His long-suffering. And when we do, it's like God just rushes in and says, all right, watch me now. See what I am going to do for you. Okay, here's this first one. Again, I sure hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Forgive me if I'm not. Daniela, who writes, Dear Pastor J.D., sorry I can't take the time to write about the impact you have had on my life, but know that it's huge, and I'm sure the Lord is going to give you a great reward for what you have done for me. I am writing you from Germany. Here, it seems that everybody is sick and just can't get well. We've been sick for well over two weeks now. One or two days we'll feel better, but then all of a sudden, without any foreshadowing, we feel very bad again. It concerns me, my husband, my four children, my mother, our parents-in-law, our friends, and almost everybody we know. It all started around New Year's that we got sick. We thought it was the flu, but since we don't believe in this mystery illness, but it was different. Even my husband, who is not a Christian, felt that it was different from the ordinary flu, even on a spiritual level. We all had the same symptoms. It started with a fever for two to three days, pain in the stomach, headaches, pain in the muscles and bones, nausea, and just absolute loss of energy. Even now, more than two weeks after it started, I feel like I have run a marathon after climbing the stairs of our house. The worst part is that we just can't seem to get better. The same symptoms have been reported from my aunt in Spain and our relatives in Serbia. My mother and aunt even had a feeling that their souls were leaving their body. Both were on the phone when they did not feel so well, so they decided to pray, break bread, and drink a sip of wine together. After that, my mother felt good again. I don't know how all this is related. Oh, and one more thing. We had noticed the planes spraying us like crazy around Christmas. It was way more activity in the skies than ever before. Who knows what they sprayed us with. And then I read about the 5G network being rolled out. Don't know how all this relates. All of us who have been feeling sick are unvaxxed, by the way. Do you notice something similar in the United States? Yes. Hello. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. 
If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If what Pastor J.D. shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Just scroll to the bottom and click on Calvary. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Thanks for listening in to the Prophecy Update for today. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. The Bible and its prophecies are not to be taken lightly. And so we'll keep digging in on In Spirit and Truth.